Welcome to the Orange is the New Black Podcast, a podcast for diehard Bengals fans. I'm your host, Ace Boogie, joined by my co-host, Zim Hude. Zim, say what's up. Hello, world. What's happening? And hopefully, we're coming through your air signals a lot cleaner now. We appreciate you guys for bearing with us while we kind of rearrange our process and make sure that we bring you guys high-quality quality audio. Um, so we appreciate it, all of um, the suggestions and things of that nature. But we are back in 2020 with bigger and better audio. Um, and some other things have happened. Uh, me and Zim were kind of talking before we jumped on the podcast. Uh, the Bengals had a couple of hires while we were gone. Uh, they reportedly land the Jets, uh, Steven Jackson, to coach the cornerbacks. And then they also hired a linebacker coach uh, by Al Golden, by the name of Al Golden. I'll kind of get into him, and then we'll give you guys some more updates. So uh, I'm going to talk about Al Golden, and then Zim is going to tackle the Steven Jackson hiring. So with Al Golden, I remember him because he was the coach of the University of Miami. Being that I'm down here at Florida, uh, in Florida, I kind of hear about what's was happening with FSU, UF, and UM. And Al Golden was a guy that uh, coached at UM and didn't have much success, um, but he was a guy that does have some head coach history. Um, and it seems that after that, he kind of went off and uh, jumped into the NFL for a little bit, was kind of a tight ends coach uh, with the Detroit Lions for a while uh, from 2016 to 2017. Then he became their linebackers coach last year from 2018 to 2019. So I've heard a lot of people saying that they weren't impressed with the hire. Um, from my uh, vantage point, I think that it was a great hire because this is a guy that's been defensive coordinator before. He was a head coach at Temple and at the University of Miami. So this is a guy with head coaching experience that is very seasoned um, that's coaching our linebackers. So that's one thing that I like about him uh, as well as him being a head coach for so long. This is a guy that actually played for the New England Patriots in 1992. So just a guy that I feel like has a lot of experience, and he has coached linebackers before. It looks like he coached linebackers at Boston College as well as Penn State. So this isn't a guy that used to just be a tight end coach that's coming in and being a linebackers coach. He has an extensive history in that. And linebacker has been a big sore spot for the Bengals. Um, to go from a guy like Tim Lukubu or however you say his name, I'm pretty sure I'm bu I'm butchering it. That was a guy that really didn't have much experience to a guy that has an extensive history, has really been coaching since 1993. Um, I think that that's a positive for Zach and his coaching staff. Uh, but without further ado, I will let Zim talk to you guys about our new uh, secondary coach, Stephen Jackson. Okay, so I'm no guru on this guy. <laughs> Whatever, I don't know why Ace just hyped me up like that. I just learned about some of these guys. It, it's the name I've heard before. Um, he, he had been with the Jets for the last two years. Um, when Todd Bowles even left over, it was one of the guys that was still highly regarded with the Jets. Um, uh, what's his name? Adam Gase uh, kept going to him. But one thing that I do know is, like, just speaking to one of my friends, he felt like the Jets, um, were heavy, heavy in free agency, and they underachieved this past season. This past season, they ranked 17th in um, most passing yards, giving up 17th in most touchdowns. So it's like pretty like middle of the road stuff. Um, he was a safeties coach from Washington from 2004 to 2011. 
Um, and, and then this is the part I was talking about Ace beforehand. He was with the Titans from 2016 to 2017. So a lot of the players that are, cur- are currently there now with the Titans or whatever um, were coached by Steve Jackson. So that's somewhat encouraging. But a lot of people um, felt as though he underachieved with the talent that they had. Just did deal with a little bit of an injury bug, like at a, a middle portion of the season. Um, mm-hmm. And then later on, they picked it back up. But it's one of the things that doesn't, <clears throat> excuse me, it doesn't really move the needle for me too much. But uh, Durante Jones, I didn't hear too much about like the little bit of contact that I do have some players on the team um, that just happen to be like maybe corners and stuff. Like I never heard like rave reviews about Durante Jones who uh, the Bengals who uh, let go this offseason. So uh, one thing that's encouraging is this guy Steve Jackson is going to get a young Darius Phillips that's ready to ball. So let's see how that works out. Right. I think that that's very interesting because when you look at the two points of the defense that really needed help last year, I'd I'd probably say it was linebacker and uh, some of that secondary as well. Um, Some other major news that came out, I can't believe we forgot about this, but the Bengals reportedly are not trading the number one pick. Uh, Per Adam Schefter, it's been said that the Bengals are not trading that number one pick. Uh, To be honest, if you listen to this podcast, you know that we made a compelling argument that the Bengals likely weren't going to trade the pick, given Mike Brown's history, given the stock that he puts into your workhorse quarterback. There's no way that he's, you know, trading Joe Burrow. It just makes so much sense from a business standpoint and from just Mike Brown's philosophy, period. But with that being said, Joe Burrow was actually spotted this previous weekend watching the NFC and AFC championship games at B-Dubs in Mason, Ohio. His girlfriend has ties to Mason, Ohio. Zim, what are your thoughts on uh, Joe Burrow pretty much shutting down the narrative that he is not going to go to Cincinnati? I I, I mean, has he, I mean, his father pretty much shut it down where, hey, look, if I think we talked about this last week where we were saying, if money's there, Joe's going to play, right? And some people hit me up later on and was like, man, that doesn't sound like too encouraging. But, you know, it is what it is. I don't think he meant it that way. I think he just meant, like, he loves the sport of football and if anybody's going willing to pay, play me to, to play the sport that I love, then I'll be happy with it. So that's the way I took it. A lot of people hit me up and was like, man, he sounds like kind of like a douche, like you guys were talking about on the last <laughs> podcast. But I didn't think that was the douchiest comment, like, I've ever heard. So. Um, I haven't heard Joe Burrow come out and, and just jump out there, like jump out the window and say, hey, look, those, those guys, you know, da, da, da. I, I like it. I like the honesty because had he been a Bengals fan or something like that, I think he would have just jumped out and said, look, I've always wanted to play for the Bengals. But the fact right. that he's honest and he didn't say that, that I like that better than somebody just lying to me. Um, when when it comes draft night, I, I'll be I'll be glued to the situation. Just I want to hear exactly what is he feeling like. And I don't want that generic stuff. One thing that Joe Burrow is really good at is he doesn't really give generic answers. If he doesn't think that he has something real thoughtful to say, he keeps it really, really short. So I think we'll find out his true feelings sooner or later. But sports, you know, once you build up that camaraderie, you get on the team, I mean, he'll be who they, bro. Like, it's it's a who they thing. Yeah, I think it's definitely a who they thing. I think um, some of the – some of the the signs that we've been seeing, I think, unofficially with him showing up in Mason, right? Like, th- that's my thing, right? If Joe Burrow really wanted to just sneak around Cincinnati and not really, like, make it seem like he didn't want to be there, why would you go to a sports bar 
in Cincinnati during the NFC and AFC championship games. Mm-hmm. To me, that was just kind of his his way of saying, like, he's kind of ready to be a Bengal and he's embracing the city of Cincinnati. Or else, you know, I, I think he's he he just trying to see his girl, bro. You think it's bigger I mean, than that? I think he's just going to see his girl. I, I think it's I think it's bigger than that. The only reason I say it's bigger than that is his girl is from Mason. Like I've been out to Mason and stuff before. Like people in Mason kind of have some bread, right? So they don't necessarily need to go to beat ups to watch the game. Like yeah. I feel like yeah. that was a part of him, like wanting to interact with like the people because like you got to think about it. you, Joe Burrow. You the hottest person. Why would you go to beat ups with a whole bunch of football fans that are nine times out of ten gonna know who you are, especially being that they're Bengals fans? So to me, it was kind of like just a dope kind of thing where he went there and, you know, Bengals fans went crazy. But to me, I don't feel like he had to do that, right? Like he could have just chilled at – like they could have like ordered some wings and stuff like that. He didn't have to show up at a sports bar in my opinion. So for him to do that, that was just kind of dope. It was just like, oh, okay. so those rumors are like officially dead to me. At least to me from my vantage point, it's like those those are officially kind of dead. One like thing he was that, trying to get catch some vibes with Bengals fans. I hope so. Um, I don't know. You know, like if I got word of it, I'll be the first one to tell you guys. I did get this picture that I posted up. Um, a guy that I know that I kind of talked to a lot. He said that he saw um, Joe Burrow over the weekend. His one of his friends, as he said, is friends with Joe Burrow and has always been friends. And he said, yeah, Joe was like kind of like looking at neighborhoods, like starting the process of even looking at houses. And so that's where the Mason thing kind of came into play. And I, um, it, it makes sense you're saying people in Mason got a little bit of bread. Um, I posted a picture on my story. I let people like kind of comment on it and DM it to me or whatever. But I, I just posted a lady that he was standing with, a little bit older, kind of milfy, looks like uh, <laughs> <laughs> she looks like a real estate agent. And somebody told me this, that's his agent. So I just posted it and just wanted to see what people would say. But unofficial. He was looking at houses is is what I've been told by two ki- like younger kids that are just you know these borough babies they're crazy bro like they they send me stuff borough all day babies like, are lit <laughs> borough babies sending me like I, I posted a guy with the license plate he's got borough on the license plate guy showed me a borough tattoo already like they, borough babies <laughs> already getting started so all right now hit, let's not, let's not get like the Cleveland guys let's not get like the Cleveland guys and tattoo the Super Bowl don't do that Bowl, don't do whatever. that. Don't do that. Don't, do, not that. Do, don't do that. Like, listen, I am like, I am not the most superstitious person in the world, but I don't play with stuff. Like, I don't want to. Uh, somebody said I'm Zimstradamus Zim one time because we were watching <laughs> these games. And I'm saying, and, and, and two weeks ago on a live, I said, the, um, they said, who are you going to be in the Super Bowl? I said, well, the best teams are the 49ers and the um, 49ers and, and, the, and the damn Chiefs. But I was like, that doesn't necessarily mean it'll go. And I didn't want to jump out there and just say that because I am like a little superstitious. But sometimes I watch games and I, it's, it's just right in your face if you really just watch the team a lot. And I watch Bengals so much, like, you'll start seeing plays and stuff. So that was one thing that I just I, – but I don't play around with that. I don't like prediction on – Ace, you know me. I don't even like predicting what our record is going to be. Let right, alone. and I, I think that we're going to remove that next year after winning two games. That's on me. That's on me because I talked Zim into doing it. He was telling me that we shouldn't do that. Like, we should like just that. let the season play out. And 
of course, the first year that we do that, we go two and fourteen. So no <laughs> predictions from us coming next year um, at all. I think we could we can go ahead. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge—that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And get rid of that. One other thing, um, Zim, that I just came across that I forgot to talk about is... um, there were a lot of headlines in Houday Nation about former Bengals C.J. Husmanzada, um saying that he doesn't believe Joe Burrow can fix the Bengals since Carson wow. Palmer couldn't. What did Don't you think just, about that hot take? I feel I feel like he's just nut hugging on his friend that he played football with. I mean, Carson Palmer, he still considers a friend. He's on the West Coast. They probably hang out, and they probably were at Buffalo Wild Wings. He probably had a couple drinks because every time I see who, she looks loaded anyway. But. <laughs> I mean, like that's just him rapping for his teammate to me. Uh, that's that's a silly comment to me. I just yeah, you know it's what I'm a, saying? It's a Carson Palmer wasn't nowhere near the prospect that Joe Burrow is. People talk about that being Joe Burrow being a one year starter. Go look at Carson Palmer's numbers. His first two years were terrible. I, I'm not I'm not gonna say terrible. And I had his stats pulled up one week and I didn't go with it. And I wish I would have. But even his senior year or whatever. His junior or his senior year, it wasn't phenomenal, and it was no near, nowhere near this. So for someone to proclaim that if Carson Palmer couldn't do this, like Carson Carson Palmer had a chance to do it if Hushmazada is like really being honest, and if he look and he looked at that 2011, um, I'm sorry, 2005 season, Carson Palmer could have did it. Like had it not been, I'm not even gonna speak that guy's name, but there's some chain of events that happened that made it so that yeah, the cards didn't go in our favor, but. And he had the correct resources, the correct coaching and stuff like that, along with a healthy playoff game, which we were definitely the better team. I think they would have gone far. So for him to say that, I just think that's just him rapping for his boy. Yeah, I, I totally agree. TJ, I don't know what you – I don't know if the ponytail is wrapped too tight or what's going on. Because, <laughs> yeah, thinking I think that – like, I think he got sponsorship with a dispensary or something one time before. I I'm, I, I don't it, know for it, sure. It's got to be – yeah, it's got to uh, be some of that West Coast groan going on yeah, over like, there. Like, uh, man, forget like, let's get into these playoffs, man. Let's talk about let's the Let's get playoffs. into it. Because somebody let's got let's on me last it. week and said, how did y'all have a whole show – and I thought about it afterwards, but, I mean, I don't care. But it's like, y'all didn't even talk about the playoffs and all this stuff. And I know, Jim, you don't want to talk about it. Lamar, he's, Lamar's your boy. That's what everybody be saying to me. Like, they hate the fact that I like Lamar Jackson. Um, but oh, let's man. talk about the playoffs. Do you have any 
Uh, let's get into the first, the AFC games. So currently right now, we're post-AFC championship, guys. Um, Titans played, <clears throat> excuse me, the Chiefs, where the Chiefs were just pretty much dominated the second half of that football. Do you have any notes? Because I, I went back and watched that whole entire game. Is there any observations that you had um, in that game that you just the wanted, only like, observation, The only observation that I had in both games is that you have to score to win in the NFL. Uh, you know, I heard a lot of people saying, you know, well, look at the Titans. You know, they have a power running game and they just have a defense and look how far they're going. That's what the Bengals need to do. And I think in that Titans game uh, versus the Chiefs, you saw how limited that is, right? Uh, because you have to play with the lead when you have something like that. And when Pat Mahomes just fires up and Andy Reid keeps it going and you can't keep up because you're a one-dimensional team, that's what happens. Um, in yeah. the NFL, you got to be able to, I think Zim said this a long time ago, you got to be able to score 28 or better uh, to win in this league. And it's no, it's no coincidence that the Chiefs and the 49ers, and I, I can't wait until we talk about the 49ers because I've been waiting to explode about that. It's no coincidence that these two teams, people, are in the top three. There's no coincidence with that at all. And it, I know certain things look nice. A lot of people talk about, you know, Let's do what the 49ers did and let's impact our, our team with the defensive player. But the 49ers and the Chiefs are two top. The 49ers actually averaged more points than the Chiefs during the season. These teams averaged 30 a game. Like, you got to bring at least a 30 clip to, to even sit at the table with these people. And you're not going to do that without having a guy like Joe Burrow. But um, from my observations – Derrick Henry is a great running back. I always felt like he matched up very well against the Ravens because they were a team that kind of mirrored each other in terms of their philosophies, right? They like to uh, pretty much run the clock out with the run game. You know, you have two extremely strong run games, and I think the Titans last week did some things that kind of threw – uh, the Ravens off because they threw some trick plays in here and there, and they kind of just had them on their heels, and they really couldn't do that against the Chiefs. And what do you feel you know, about the criticism in that game, though? Like, what, do you feel like Lamar Jackson got a, he took a lot of criticism after that game? Do you feel like it was deserved right. in that game, or like, like not necessarily? I, 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 I know, like, know we're reminding it a little bit, but I heard people talked about like, oh, he's like Andy Dalton, which was really ridiculous because really? the man ran for like a hundred and something plus yards and threw for three hundred. And then after that, I heard people like saying, oh, it was garbage time, so that didn't like. Come on, man! Andy Dalton has one touchdown and six interceptions. Has had games where he he's thrown for a hundred and twenty-seven yards. He is not Andy Dalton. Um, yeah. The Titans are just an impressive team. Like it, like. The week before that, they beat the New England Patriots in Gillette Stadium. Nobody has done that in God knows how long. Derrick Henry is a star. I think that they just came in with the right game plan, and they knew what they needed to do to win that game. And a lot of the stuff was surprising because you're expecting Derrick Henry to pretty much get handed off the ball every play, and they kind of played into that. They ran play actions and trick plays and, and things to kind of throw them off. And then next thing you know, Jonu Smoke, Jonu Smith is walking in for a touchdown. So they just had a better – I really feel like they got out coached, in my opinion. That's not to say that Lamar isn't at fault. He did throw an interception. Uh, but I don't even think they're in that game if Lamar Jackson isn't there. And then you also had the injury to Mark Ingram, not trying to make excuses for these guys, but they just simply were not the better team. They got outplayed. 
Um, and you would think that with them having two weeks to prepare, their game plan would have been a little bit more advanced. But I have to give kudos um, to the Titans head coach, uh, Mike Vrabel, uh, for coming with an amazing game plan. And, you know, I kind of called him going into New England and, and pulling off that upset. But, you know, when I looked at that game before it happened, I told one of my friends that was a Ravens fan, I'm like, I don't I think that might be the the best team like that's actually built to beat y'all. Like that that is an actual team that could actually beat you guys. Did I expect them to beat them by that much? No. Um, but that was kind of what I saw there. Like Lamar Jackson's in his second year. I'm not uh too surprised that they went out and I mean I'm not giving him a scapegoat, but this guy is not Andy Dalton. That would just be ridiculous to say. I think all of the Lamar Jackson haters weren't saying anything this entire season, and the moment that he loses a game, they just decide to go crazy, completely negating the fact that this team outcoached and outplayed Bill Belichick and Tom Brady a week before. Absolutely. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I agree with everything you just said. For me, I, I just think if – just to lightly talk about that Ravens game, it just was a a perfect storm to, to knock off the Ravens because the one thing that the Ravens don't have is skill position players at a high premium, and this is one of the reasons we weren't valuing them early in the season. But their down, their running game got so dominant throughout the year that I think people started to lose sight of the fact that they're really only true threat threat was Hollywood Brown. Uh, Mark Ingram, you know, like as many touchdowns as he scored and everything like that, he's not someone that's going to stretch the field or do anything to make you create like some crazy matchup uh, lineup. I mean, uh, mismatch. But what they did do blocking-wise and what they did uh, for the NFL this year is not to be like like people – like currently right now, Kyle Shanahan's running a lot of that – like a lot of those zone schemes that they – that he, he – the one thing about Shanahan is currently right now he is just on a coaching pace that is just phenomenal, like where it's the perfect marriage of you got the like the best blocking tight end, the best, you know, like it's just the perfect storm for the 49ers. And the Ravens just ran into a, a, a Titans team that had the ability to just dominate just as much as they did and so when the Ravens got behind like it like say 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 Lamar had like just like a Tyreek Hill type talent just to get the 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 players away from one side of the field I just think like even if even if he had a John Ross just to just to run and get away from it there's no secondary that can recover from that and when you go down by that many points and you become one-dimensional it just forced him to throw, and so all those guys are, are guarded. Because I went back and watched this game, like, nobody's open. And then he's scrambling. That's how he gets 160. And then people are like, yeah, he's just a running quarterback. Like, yeah, he didn't have anybody getting open in the second half of that game. And every time that they did score and have momentum, the defense let them down every single time. The Titans game was really, really crazy to me because they were actively – the Chiefs were actively – this is something different that they didn't do last year when the Chiefs made their missteps. And another thing is Pat Mahomes played out of his mind. If he 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 made every perfect throw, uh, he had a third down to Watkins that was just phenomenal. If you wanted to take away all the passing lanes, he beat you with his feet. He was the complete quarterback, and to me, is by hands down the best talented I, I think quarterback in the in, in the NFL currently right right now all around. Lamar Jackson is right on the same level as him, 
It's just going to take him another, a couple more years to develop, and I think he's going to shock a lot of people. He'll never have the crazy, crazy rocket arm of Mahomes, but Mahomes will never have the crazy, crazy four three four four speed either. You know, so it's right. a good trade off. And I that game, I mean, the Chiefs were putting ten in the box, and the difference between this game and people say, well, why didn't he? Um, why didn't they run just like uh, the Forty ers ran? The 49ers were falling onto four yards. If he just handed the ball off and they fell, this is a, it's so. I, I wanna. I wish I had a way. We gotta figure this out, Ace. One day, I gotta get like. I wanna show people what happens when the Aaron Donalds of the worlds and big defensive linemen that absolutely wreck games like the Packers have. They got a bunch of these guys that wreck games, right? But Kyle Shanahan ran these trap plays that was so amazing. If you guys get a chance to check this. So I thought it was amazing. But they're letting got free free defensive linemen just run up there, and it, it would be so close to uh, touching Raheem uh, Mostert. They would be so close, but if he's one second off, it creates this huge gaping gap. And now it, it, it leads me to believe, like, now do you go get running backs that just are, like, are speed demons like him? Because Breda mm-hmm. and Mostert, like we learned earlier in the year, once you get that crease like that, that's fifteen twenty every single time, and he was just gashing them. In contrast, uh, all the people I know were saying, "Well, Titans were only down by seven or ten or whatever it was at halftime. Why did they keep on giving it to Henry? They were, they were giving it to Henry three times and then run the, like give it to him two times. He'd get like three yards and then run a screen. Chiefs were running ten man boxes, just daring Tannehill to throw. Mike Vrabel was reluctant to throw the whole game, and as a result. They kept on getting some three and outs, and boom! Before you know it, Chiefs get the ball back, and they putting they putting third they putting forty on your head before you know it. And that's the whole argument I had last year. It's like when you you go into these big powerhouse offices or whatever, if you're not stopping them, you better be prepared to put up twenty eight. But the threshold every week is twenty four. Like if you don't score twenty four game in the National Football League, you won't be nine and seven. Period. So right. In that game, I just thought it was phenomenal, like, how it's two different styles. Like, you would think the Titans would just come into there and just run all over the place, go crazy, because the Chiefs are not regarded as a as a good defense. But what happens is they loaded the box up, forced all these three and outs, and then before you know and the Chiefs run two-minute touchdown drives. Before you know it, now Titans have put you – I mean, now the Chiefs have now put you in a position that you are not uncomfortable with. And that's exactly what they did to the Ravens. So two weeks, like, it just was crazy. And then and Tannehill didn't have a bad game either. He just wasn't the better quarterback. So right. when it when it comes down to that, it's just like, who's the better quarterback when we get to some of these posi- like some of these games and they're within arm's reach in the games, like, the better quarterbacks want to win every time. Sometimes, like, a 49ers game, though, a coach is just going to out-scheme you and kill you and, and defense wins championship guy – Run the football guy is like, yeah, aha, I told you it's them, but it's just like they're so they are different. not just a defensive team. These, no, these they guys aren't. average twenty nine <laughs> points yeah, per they game. Aren't. That and, is and, not, and, 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 and you know what's scenario. so crazy? The Packers yeah. have been killing. They're not. They're not. The Packers claim the fame. If y'all haven't watched the Packers all year, their defense is what killed the uh, the the Vikings. So you know what I'm saying? Like it, it's like go watch, go look at Green Bay statistically on defense. They came to the playoffs and got destroyed on Sunday, 
And as a result, you know, Aaron Rodgers just couldn't get him out that hole. But he hadn't had to do that all year. The defense carried Green Bay all year. But it's like when people see these uniforms, I just think they just say, oh, okay, well, 49ers, they play defense. And uh, oh, Green Bay, yeah, that, that's Aaron Rodgers. It hasn't been like that all season. And I, I just thought that was crazy. But you were saying. Yeah, I mean, to me, to me, they're just a more – they're a complete team, and I think their defense is definitely elite, but so is their offensive play calling. It's just crazy to me that people just say that they're a defensive team when Kyle Shanahan is probably one of the, if not the best, offensive coach in the NFL right now. You're talking about a guy that has uh, come from the Atlanta Falcons. Everywhere he has been, he has run the ball. He's always improved the team's run game. Now, I think one thing that may be an effect of him losing the Super Bowl with Atlanta when he made Matt Ryan an MVP, which the Falcons have not been uh, as successful on offense as they were when he was there as the offensive coordinator, I think that kind of stung him a little bit in terms of giving up on the run because they were up 28 to zero and in the second half of that Super Bowl, they stopped running the ball, even though they had a successful run game with ironically, Tevin Coleman, who's there with him now, who just got hurt in the last game, but that's why they signed him. And they also had Devonte Freeman. And, you know, in the second half of that game, they got away from the run. That's why they ended up, in my opinion, losing the Super Bowl because on third and one, they were passing and, just did a whole bunch of things to let New England back into that game. And so I think when people see them and they say, well, you know, they're running so much and Jimmy Garoppolo isn't throwing as much and he's not doing that, they're doing that, I think, as a result of him knowing I'm not letting up on the run game no matter what. Now, here's the difference between Jimmy Garoppolo and Ryan Tannehill. The difference is I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, Drew Garoppolo is Steve Young or Joe Montana – but he's good enough that you can't load the box against them. You load the box against them, they're going to go to George Kittle. They're going to go to Emmanuel Sanders. They're going to go to Debo Samuel. I saw this live. Like, this man, the way that he schemes this run game and these running backs and his offensive line, period, and the way this man calls the game is honestly the best in the NFL that I've seen. Um, from an offensive standpoint, like I've never seen like the, the Mozart thing and all of that. Like I saw that live. I saw that live and in person. The way that he set everything up, the way that he attacks certain points of a defense. This is a team that is overall uh, possibly the best team in in the NFL, and I think I give them the slight edge over the Chiefs because of that. Whoa. Just because, just because although Pat Mahomes, he's coming in as a one and a half get, uh, point um, favorite in this now. And I like I like the 49ers because this is the thing. The great equalizer with him. This is this is a guy like you would probably say Matt Ryan is like an average quarterback, right? Like above mm-hmm. average slightly, right? He's Andy with Dawn. Matt Ryan Matt Ryan with um Kyle Shanahan was an M V caliber M V P caliber quarterback. So that just speaks to the volumes of what kind of impact Kyle Shanahan can have on an offense. And I think that even though he won't be able to, like, um, even though uh, Jimmy Garoppolo may not be able to keep up with uh, Pat Mahomes, I think that Kyle Shanahan's offense will be able to keep up with him. I've never seen anybody stop Kyle Shanahan's offense. And it's funny because a couple of weeks ago, ESPN did this whole big interview on Mike McCarthy, right? And they're asking him before he got hired um, as a Dallas coach, 
which person, which coach he kind of looked at and which one he admired through that whole season. Because this guy claimed that he watched almost every snap of this season's football. And the first mm-hmm. person he said was Kyle Shanahan. He said, I love how aggressive he is because he never lets up. He steps on the pedal, he steps on the gas, and he never lets up on your team for the entire game. And I saw that live. They murdered us. They did not pump on the brakes for anything. They just Man, remember, remember Breda? Remember Breda was the one that killed us in that game. Oh, my God. All of them did. Breda, yeah. all three of their running backs got off on us that game. Like, they even brought in somebody after, after Mostert as well. And, hey, like, Tevin Coleman didn't even play in that game. And they all got off on us. Like, those 49ers running backs in that scheme was – and, like, to see it live, to watch it on TV is one thing. But to see, like Zim talked about, how fast these running backs were and to see them just hit, like, the edge that quickly and for them to just get 10 to 15 every play, it was just – God, it was just ridiculous. Let, let me let me go through a couple of different things because I, I do want to – I do want to it's, – it's funny we are spending a lot of time on the 49ers, and I think I know why you're really, really eyeing the 49ers. Just like I think a lot of fans, if you're optimistic about our future, I think you could look at them and say, okay – this is the window. Kyle Shanahan has been the coach for four years, I think, now. When he didn't have yep. Jimmy G, they went 4-12, and 12, right? So that's right. one of the main things that I always want to talk about. Jimmy G is not Joe Burrow, in my opinion. And that might be saying a lot because we're talking about a proven NFL pro. And I normally don't jump out the window and say crazy stuff like that. But if Joe Burrow stays healthy, I think he's already advanced in his processing at that point. Just last year, the 49ers were coaching in the senior bowl. So guess who's coaching in the Senior Bowl this year? You know, the two worst things in football. So, of course, the 49ers and the Cardinals, I think, were there, right? One thing that separates – it's a perfect storm, but I'm going to tell you some of the key things that I wrote down as the game was going on. you got to have a new – you got to get a general manager. I know Duke Tobin is now sitting there, and he's pretty much our general manager. But the overall – operations and the daily like accessibility of these guys and stuff like that has to be John Lynch like level. And you have to have an aggressive mindset like a John Lynch to do some of the stuff that he did. Um, You got to get a young talented head coach, which I agree with. These are notes that I'm writing as I'm watching the game. So we have a young talented coach. You had to trade for the quarterback. In our case, we didn't trade for the quarterback, but they went and got Jimmy G. Um, They moved on from Alex Smith. That essentially, which was Dalton to their franchise, they did that. Even, you know, when the season first started, one of the things that they were looking at, and I think a lot of fans hit me and said, man, we could beat the 49ers because you're looking at the previous year and stuff like that. But one thing that they did is they, they identified their deficiencies. So by the time they finished kicking our ass, they still went back and said, how can we get better? What's something that we're, uh, we're, we're really, like, not doing well on right now? And the one position that they were looking at was wide receiver. Because I forget the guy. What is that dude? Pettis. Dante Pettis was was in the doghouse of Shanahan around the time that we played him. They went out right before the trade line. What did they do? They go get Emmanuel Sanders, right? But, and, then after, and then after that, you say, okay, what else did they do? Well, them, they went and got a whole bunch of running backs that will run it down your throat and will run it and they can't be selfish and will keep them fresh and will keep on going. Tevin Coleman go out. I don't care. I got Breda. I got uh, Mossert. I got – what's the other – they got another guy that was running down our throats as well. Jeff Wilson. So, exactly, yep. So they got him. He's he's no joke either. You know – all right. I was about to say something crazy too. 
but you know who you know who would really really run well for the for the Forty ers that I thought like if, if he wasn't so crazy and stupid, but Mark Walton, the way that he runs, he reminds me of Monster and stuff like that. But we're not gonna talk about Mark Walton today. Um, so you so so I just thought he would be perfect for them. Like I don't know. Um, they went and got the offensive line right. Okay, so they went heavy. Mike McGlinchey, which is the same as uh, Jonah Williams for us. They had Joe Staley, which was Whitworth for us, right? But we let Whitworth go because Joe Staley uh, is gone. They go um, get Ben Garland this uh, this past free agency or whatever, which is very, very important. So the Bengals should be looking at that and say, okay, well, we at least have to get one big name free agent signing. As it stands right now, there's about 40-something million dollars. Now, this is before the A.J. Green deal is done. I looked at the, the the amount of money that they have allocated. The offense has twenty million more dollars made more than the defense. So look for them to go defensive heavy if they do go for big names in free agency. So they do that, um, and that's something that they have to go. They have to get at least, to me the left guard position. If they want to make Joe Burrow what we think he is, they have to go get a left guard. That's like I, I don't trust the draft. You could draft one early to create depth, however you want. I love the depth. If you start talking about Bobby Hart as, as a backup, if you start talking Billy Price as a backup, now I'm getting fired up, right? But so so the Forty ers are creating this this perfect storm. So Ben Garland's there, whatever. They then go get up um uh what's the uh, Lakin Tomlinson or whatever. That's the uh right. um the center or something like that. So I'm looking at all these moves that they do, you know um. Something, uh, they, yeah, Western Richburg, and then so they did that. So they got that. Then they went and got a tight end. They got lucky. This is the, my last and final point about the 49ers. They get lucky with their draft picks in some regards. George Kittle is a fifth-round pick drafted 104th overall. We're not saying that Drew Sample is George Kittle, but if we can get Drew Sample to block how George Kittle was blocking this past week, that's very encouraging. Because then Eifert, if you look at 60% of his snaps, if they do retain him, he was still lining up pretty much like a wide receiver. They kept him fresh. I think um, I think Zach has a good plan to keep him fresh, and I think they have a plan for him. Um, but if you look at the tight end position in the NFL with Andrews, Kelsey, all these guys, there's no coincidence that they're on the best team. Um, and, and, those, and then my final point is their draft picks. They hit. Like when people, when I always said, I always say you got to hit. Somebody hit me the other day. I was like, "What do you mean?" I was like, "Well, I used to listen to that song, Pull Up with the Stick.' You got to let it hit. That means if you shoot at that target, you better hit." And what the Bengals failed to do since 2015 was hit. But if you go look at the, uh, um, if you go look at the 49ers, I mean, we're talking Mike McGlinchey, we're talking DeForest Buckner, we're talking Solomon Thomas. All these guys aren't like the greatest thing on earth, but they all play a, a huge role in vital minutes in their success. And where you're stacking that up and Solomon Thomas, which at the time, that, I mean, look at that. They had to be bad for a little while too, you know, to get these high end. They kept on going defense in. They kept on going rush just for it to pan out now. You know what I'm saying? And so now right. we're at this point where – now it's all coming to fruition. They got the perfect coach in the perfect storm. And to me, it's a bit of a unicorn, but I can see it happen. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, well, before we head out, Zim, was there anything that you wanted to say to the people before we sign out? 
Nope. Uh, we're just going to give you some more information on some free agents coming up. I want to target some guys. I want to show you, like, different things um, that are going on. I really want to highlight the linebacker position coming up in the NFL because it is drastically changing right before our eyes. We're going to keep you up to date with Joe Burrow updates and up to date with any moves the Bengals make, period. Anything you got to say, Ace? Uh, like Zim said, we're going to come back um, and do some 49ers talk. We'll try to have some guests on here. We're working behind the scenes to try to get some guys on the show. Uh, once again, thanks for supporting us. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the Cincy Jungle Podcast. Uh, you can find our syndicate on the SB Nation uh, Jungle with Cincy Jungle with the Orange and Black Insider uh, with Orange is the New Black. We also have Matt Minish's Chalk Talk, so be sure to check those other episodes out. Um, as usual, my name is Ace Boogie of New Stripe City. You can find my YouTube channel on YouTube under the moniker New Stripe City. Zim Hude, you can find him at Zim underscore Hude on Instagram. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Zim Hude with no underscore. And you can find me at New Stripe City. So definitely be sure to uh, send us and blow up our mentions real quick with any questions that you guys might have or yeah, any ideas yeah. that you guys might have on the show. You never know. One of you guys could possibly end up on the show. Uh, we're For also sure. going to try to make the Vegas thing happen. Um, it hasn't been announced where the actual location for the draft is. So I know me, you guys have been hitting up me and Zim to see if we're going to the draft. The plan is to get there. We're just waiting to see how uh, things kind of roll out. Um, but if we are there, you best believe we can try to do some kind of podcast on location there and try to do some cool things there. So if you are going to Vegas, definitely be sure to hit us up and let us know. Um, and we also, in the future, may be starting a Patreon um, account to try to get things to improve on the actual channel. So that way, I know there's been a lot of people offering support here and there. That will be a way for you guys to support the show as well. But with that being said, I will leave you guys with a who day, and we'll be at you next week. Who day? Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? Nobody! <laughs>